everybody and welcome back to another edition of the pod cast your favorite podcast about new metal this is episode number 47 an episode nearly four years in the making an episode people really wanted us to cover for a long time an album that well it's going to be an odyssey we are covering metallica's saint anger their so-called new metal album. We'll see. We'll see if it's new metal. I'm John, and with me is a man whose pod style determines his death style. It's Brian Quinby. I'm here. How's everybody doing? <laughs> well, this I'm fucking happy to be doing this. Are this you? episode. You've, oh. you've been you've been talking about how miserable you've kind of been I for most it. of the week. I hated this album. <laughs> I, I don't mean to just start Frantic. right off the bat. That dude, I'm telling you, uh, I'm not gonna do that yet. I'm just not even gonna do it yet because you can't. You're not just gonna start get in. You're not gonna get into how much you hate it yet. People get hot under the collar. Well, I mean, people probably would like it if I just started the show talking about the album. They would love it if that happened, but they're not getting that. I'm not gonna do it. They're gonna have to hold off for a few <laughs> minutes while we talk about while whatever we... else we want to talk about. You know. Yeah, I mean, what do you want to what do you want to talk about? I mean, Jacoby Shaddix from Papa Roach says uh, new metal's back, man. Jacoby said that. Yeah, he said it's dope that new metal is finally getting respect. Oh, fuck him! And I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> fuck him. He tried to fucking abandon it and say he was like pop punk for that yes. little period of time. But he's accepted it now, Brian. He's back. He's in, baby. He's back in. Oh, fuck him. He can fuck off. You know what? If you ever did the I don't do new metal, actually, I'm this new thing, you don't get to be excited when it comes back. Fuck. You're pop punk now, bro. You're go tour with Good Charlotte or something. I don't know what to tell you. You decided that. He didn't want to be Kobe Dick anymore because it was too new metal. He is the worst of all the guys. <laughs> but he seems like kind of a nice guy, Brian. I don't want to be... This is the exact quote here. He says, nostalgia is such a powerful thing, and it's so cool to see that that era is making its way back around. And part of it is because, you know, time. And the other part of it is this new generation of bands that were little kids that were listening to bands like Papa Roach or Korn or Deftones or Limp Bizkit or Linkin Park. Those are the bands that they were listening to, so this music kind of influenced them. And now bands like Of Mice and Men or Bring Me the Horizon, you can hear elements of new metal in that music, and that's freaking sick. He later added, it was necessary for Papa Roach to leave new metal, which like that's such a funny. What do you mean yeah. leave? We we get out of here. Yeah, I'm gonna. Oh, this party's dead anyway. I'm fucking out of here. Yeah. Uh, he says it's always about evolution, and for a while, I really despised the title of new metal because everybody was trying to compare us to Limp Biscuit or compare us to Lincoln Park, and we were like, no, we're our own thing, and we've proved that we are our own thing throughout the years. And now, as we look back as older men, I look back proud on being part of that movement. It's just dope that it's finally. Come Kind of getting some respect in pop culture. I think that in the time, people just kind of looked down upon the genre, and now as the years have gone on, there's some respect upon it, which is, it's dope. Oh, I love it when something's dope. It's very good. 
God, what a fuck. Except for asshole. the band Dope, I don't love. I don't love when uh, the band you don't know is. That. You never listened to them. I have so. listened to Dope, and I you hated to everything. All of I've... Dope. What do you mean all of? Dope? You went fucking crazy on Dope. Did you have Dope face? <laughs> yeah, I, w- I was. Do- I was a Dope fiend. Is that what they called their uh, their fans? Uh, they they fucking a, better. The they, fiends. If they, if they didn't call their fan Dope fiends, they're fucking the worst band in the world. Which are not all, already not great, but that's what I would. They're do. not I'd have a whole. I mean the band that we talk we're talking about today, Metallica. Have yeah. you ever looked into their like fan club? Uh no. That seems it's like something insane. you that seems like something you would do cuz you're not a you like to look into guys now. That's your whole thing. So I would imagine fan club guys or that's got to be like a thing, right? I think it would be closer to Metallica guys to tell you the truth cuz I've never heard of another band uh, that still has their fan club and is still like starting chapters in different parts of the world. Um, it's called the Met Club. What is it? Fifth member club. Okay. So you become a fifth member of the band. Oh, right? I already hate that name. That's really stupid. It's bad. It's Sorry the, if you guys can hear the drilling hear that is going thing. on above my head. I apologize. That's a Vancouver thing. We all understand it now. Oh, yeah. Um, right. Because Chris's place was also <laughs> under construction for a long time. Yeah. So it says become a fifth member. We want you to be the fifth member of Metallica. You, the loudest, most loyal fans on the planet, you inspire us and give us energy each and every night. Become the fifth member and join us on on the inside of all things Talica. They did the Talica. Oh, Talica. That's, that's got to be one of the worst like short forms you could do in in life, right? Sure. I mean, it's only two letters. Just you know, as the journey continues. Okay, so what you get if you join the fifth member club. It's almost a Patreon, which is very funny for Metallica to have. But not you at know? all, though, because like Metallica <laughs> just likes to make money, you know? Hey, we all do. Then, exclu- we all do, obviously, <laughs> but like Metallica's like, yeah, we've sold 100 million records or whatever the fuck, and then they're just like, but also, join our Patreon. <laughs> I mean... I would have to guess that Lars is eight figures rich. I would have to guess that all of them, Lars and Kirk and James are uh, eight figures. Individually, e- yeah. Oh, each. eight figures for sure. Sorry, I was thinking nine figures. Yeah, eight for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. We're looking at $80,000, I think, or some shit around there. I don't know why. 80000 $80 million. $80 million. <laughs> But I like the idea that you think that eight figure rich just means that it starts with an eight. Oh, they're they're, they're like eight figure rich, like eighty thousand dollars a year. (laughs) So what you what you get if you're a a a fifth member is exclusive content. Check out videos, photos, and so what? The ultimate insider's view with longtime friend writer Stefan Shirazi. So they have a magazine. Okay, Metallica has has had a magazine for decades. This is new. Discounts on merch. We kind of do that too. You know, we don't make Metallica money. Free downloads. So you get some freebies, which they used to be against, but now they're exclusive merch. One of a kind items and collectibles you won't find anywhere else. You get pre sale tickets and exclusive content contests. Um, and this is oh, exclusive gonna- contests. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Great. Oh, the great. shirts I have are to pay money to enter exclusive contests. <laughs> the shirts are fucking terrible. The the vinyl club shirt is. I wish I could show. I I think I can't. Oh no, you can't share your. Yeah, you can. I can share my screen. I can't share my screen in here. Um, so 
anyway, I'm going to join. I'm going to hit join and see. Do you want to join the fan club? Well, no, I'm not going to join the fan club. How much does it cost? Did you say? That's what I'm finding out. I think you got to. I'm getting there. I'm I'm going. Right. They don't tell you because it's going to be like a. Should we guess? What is it? I'm going to guess it's like 50 bucks a year. Um, I think. Does it come with anything? Does it come with a shirt or you just get access to a shirt that you can pay for? I I think you get access to a shirt. Okay. So you. I mean, you know, the hope is five dollars, right? Oh, it's going to be way more than that. Well, the hope, but I, I think I'm going to say maybe it's if it's more than ten dollars a month, I say get Netflix instead. You know, oh, it's definitely oh yeah, maybe not more than ten dollars a month. Like fifty dollars a year is like five bucks a month, I guess. Five, a little less than five bucks a month. Yeah, you you want it to. I mean, I always feel like you want it to cost less. Van, um, you want it to cost less than uh, what's it called? Oh, they ask your gender. Well, I guess they, they, oh, other, they have it. So don't worry. Country, United States, zip code. All right, we're almost there. Here we go. I'm not a robot. Apply. Okay, so you have to apply, first of all. Um, this is insane right now. Like, because this is just showing that you, you can't impulse buy this. You can't just be like drunk one night and be like, Man, I want to. I'm a fucking Talica fan, dude. Let, let me into their fan club. Like, you got to want it. Okay, you got to so be really into the idea of being the fifth member of Metallica or whatever the fuck it's called. Where is the payment settings here? Credit <clears throat> card. Oh, no. This, I think, is just add your credit card and you can buy stuff. It does. It actually isn't as bad as I thought. Uh, you know. So there's not like a membership fee. Not that I can see. Yeah, but there is. I'm telling you, dude, there's a membership. There is a fan club that they have. Right. Uh, what was the point they, in you bringing this up? I don't know. Because I was going <laughs> to. We were talking about Papa Roach, and then all of a sudden you're like, Metallica has a fan club. <laughs> well, no, I was saying that. Yeah. I, w- I mean, I was just saying that, like, it's, it's a place. Okay. What is a legacy member? A legacy oh, member is go. someone who had paid Met Club membership between 94 and 2015 at any time for two or more years or had an active paid membership on August 24th, 2015. If you are a legacy member, a legacy badge will be displayed by your user profile. Oh, <laughs> located my God. at Metallica.com slash me. <laughs> wow. Oh, great. Thank you so much for that. As- as of March 1st, 2021, we are no longer able to retroactively grant legacy status. If you are not a legacy member, you can sign up for free to become a fifth member. So the legacy thing is gone. Like the, the, the So fan it used to be that, that you had to pay, of. and then they decided to make it so that you didn't have to pay, but people who did pay for several years beforehand or <laughs> were paid members when they stopped charging people got a badge god I, yes. I can't even imagine what the like metallica forums on their website are like with people being like well i'm a le- i'm actually a legacy club member oh, so yeah. don't fuck well, don't tell say, me about metallica buddy i'll say this about what's funny about it too is like they don't just have the the fan club that you can join online and, and probably you know pay money to be a part of but they have chapters so like <laughs> There's forums for the Columbus, Ohio chapter of the Metallica fan club. There's forums for oh, the Vancouver chapter. Yeah, dude. Like they, I want to get together with Metallica heads. I've never seen a band that does that. Like a lot. You know what I mean? Like 
They're just but, such a huge band. Like it makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. It's just it, it, you can't charge people for everything, guys. Like w- Metallica is the band that would find a way. Though, you know what I mean? <laughs> they're like they're kids. The- they're like a lot like yes, kids, really. Yes. To tell you the truth, I when people were surprised that like I think Metallica probably merchandises almost as much as kiss like when i look at what they have in their store they got stickers patches and buttons puzzles games and figures they have puzzles let me click and see what the puzzles and games are they got master of puppet uh broker figure set metallica playing cards for ten dollars for a set of playing cards does it have pictures of them on it or is it like what do we think the metallica playing cards are is it just playing cards but the back has the metallica logo on it okay so it's not it's it's got it's not like the ace of spades is like lars drumming or something like that yeah for 39.99 you can buy the monopoly world tour edition uh metallica whoa monopoly metallicopoly they have action figures of cliff burton um which is odd uh a board game bundle monopoly and metallica clue so they also metallica have- <laughs> clue <laughs> whoa what's that like i killed you with the backstage i killed you with the backstage pass i slit your throat with the laminated backstage pass in the tour bus yeah wow these guys, lars man. Lar- okay i gotta look up metallica clue i mean what the fuck is that <laughs> Holy it's fucking shit. crazy. The the amount that they're selling, dude. Like this books. is insane. Metallica clue. Oh my god. This is nuts, dude. Okay. Dang. Are you are you ready for this? Yeah. Okay. So Metallica clue, let me find the game board here. Uh I'll tell you right now. These are the these are the characters, okay? Papa Het, which I guess is James. James Hetfield, yeah. Duder, like D U D E R, just Duder. That must be like an inside metallic. Ma- yeah, thing, you know, uh, Mister Ripper. I'm, okay, I'm gonna say Mister Ripper did the killing. Just Doc Doctor Groove, the <laughs> the engineer, and Colonel William. And oh, then, Colonel William. Yeah, I don't know who Colonel William is. And then uh, the the uh, the murder weapons are guitar, bass, snare drum, wah pedal, microphone, computer. Oh my god, <laughs> this is I'm which is you. just insane, dude. And then yeah, it's like it features. They're talking to this guy about this. It's like this uh, this spray paint artist. Who, uh, who basically a Max Two Forty Two is the spray paint artist, um, and he they got him to like do all the designs for Metallica Clue. So it's like all of the all of the art is done by this graffiti artist. What about holy fuck? I gotta see what the rooms are. I'm trying to find a, merch, a picture of the board. Here's a merch and, thing you wouldn't imagine, John. So, uh, yeah, okay, so this is, so yeah, Papa Head is James Hetfield, Duder is, uh, I guess, Kirk Hammett, 
Maybe Mister Ripper is uh, Mister Ripper is Lars. Uh, no, I guess. And then Doctor Groove is Robert. No, Robert's got to be Duder, right? I don't know, but yeah. Then they <laughs> one is the engineer who we assume is an engineer, and the other is Colonel William, who I have no idea who this is supposed to be. This is an article about about this, but wow. uh, yeah. I, and then I, I, there's nowhere that is talking about the fucking rooms. Like you can't really see the. I'm trying to find like a they want zoomed you to buy in. It, John. I know. I'm trying to find like a zoomed in thing of the board. Like if it's got because it must have different rooms in the game. It's not going to be like the conservatory or whatever. Oh, okay, here I can see. So the okay. So Doctor Ripper. Hold on, I got to zoom in here. This is probably the worst content we've ever done in the no, show. No, I'm 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 I I'm looking. They have an enter night sleep mask that they sell on our website. Okay, Doctor Ripper is Kirk, and then. Or Mr. Ripper is Kirk. Dr. Groove is uh, Robert. And then Duder is Lars. Oh, that's what they call it. Like, yeah. I mean, you don't want to put the name Lars on stuff anyway. It's kind of $20 pair of socks they have on this website. Um, it's fun. This is so great. They got infant slash toddler three pack of socks, $24.99. Like, they are monetized better. I, they gotta be the most monet. They're more monetized than Kiss, I have to say. And they don't get any shit for it anymore. You know? No, because you can't sell out anymore. So people are just like, yeah, okay, fucking hell yeah, absolutely. I, it's just weird to see like a band just. I'll bet you they don't even come to them anymore to ask about stuff. Oh, definitely not. Definitely not. Yeah. You know, they're just like, whoa, shit, I just thought of something. And they're just cashing checks. They don't fucking care. You know, it's just, and they're probably all drop shipped. But even like the exclusive shirts for the fifth member club, they all just have the fifth member, the, the worst, the worst fucking logo for fifth member Metallica club. So just really, I, I would have loved to have known the cost of the fan club, but they I guess they figured out like, ah, you know, we can get more money out of them if it's free and then they can get exclusive. They can get exclusive shirts and stuff like that. Yeah, because you want to be able to, I guess, brag of like, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm really I, I'm, I'm a bigger fan than you, you know? Well, and that's the thing, though, with like with bands like Metallica, that honestly makes a lot of sense to me in that like it makes a lot of sense in that like uh they started out as being like these guys that were so against uh pop music and shit like that and they were trying to look like regular dudes and stuff like that then this movie comes out to some kind of monster and everybody's like these guys aren't regular dudes you know? no <laughs> these are definitely one of them collects very expensive fine art yeah they're not regular dudes at all i'm, I'm just looking at the monopoly now and uh the the player pieces are all very funny they're all like they look like pewter uh pieces here and and the um, the tokens or whatever they've got the the cross from Master of Puppets. They've Sick. got the Ride the Lightning electric chair, the Death Magnetic coffin, Lady Justice, uh, uh, the Scary Guy, who's like their logo or whatever. Oh, and I then they have the Metal Up Your Ass toilet. 
Uh, oh, which I'd is the one toilet. of the, that's one of the game pieces you could use. The, yeah. the board looks very boring for, Mono- for Metallica Monopoly. It looks like it's just cities that they like perform in uh, yeah. a lot. So it's just the so it's called Metallica World Tour Monopoly, and then all of the properties are just cities. But instead of chance and community chest, they have Carpe Diem and Shortest Straw uh, pieces. Oh, that's a good song, uh, they call the money Metallabucks. Oh, I uh, like that. Metalla which is good. Bucks. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just like the just the write ups of these are so dumb. Purchase property with your Metallabucks, acquire all the cities on one continent, and add arenas and stadiums to increase your value. Land on one of the Carpe DM or shortest straw spaces and be rewarded with sticks, picks, and snake pit passes, or fined with parking and stage repair fees. Travel the world Metallica style while building your real estate empire. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, I got it. I got it for you. There is a Metallica streaming service. Oh, I found okay. it. It's twelve it's twelve ninety nine a month. <laughs> or one twenty nine ninety nine a year. And it looks like you just get uh Metallica live shows on it. Oh, okay. So so basically it's like Pearl Jam, how they're like, hey, we don't mind if you Record right. the live videos, man. But Metallica's like, well, if you pay twenty twelve ninety nine a month, you can see all of our concerts on a stream. Which, by the way, who wants to watch? And I know this is just a Brian thing. Who wants to watch live shows like not that? Not me. No, not Nobody. me. Not, I wouldn't pay for it. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't no. even watch like when 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 they have Bonnaroo on Hulu or Coachella on Hulu. Like when they have that stuff, I don't, even if there's a band I like, I don't turn it, tune into it. Cause I just think it's silly. It's I'll listen to the CD. That's where all the good sounds are. You did it right on the CD. And I also want to say that like, if it sounds like I don't like Metallica, I do like Metallica. Well, I wanted to get into that. Uh, so I just, by the way, uh, one last update about Metallica Monopoly. The boardwalk and park place equivalents are Mexico City and Quebec. Oh, <laughs> so, oh. oh well, Quebec know. had the big thing. Wait, what? A big Metallica thing? Yeah. Didn't, it, didn't Quebec have the... Um... Didn't Quebec have? Isn't that where there was a riot? They were with Guns and Roses, and uh, James burned his hand, and then there was this Guns and Roses didn't come out, and there was a riot. I think that happened in Quebec. Oh, okay. mistaken. Yeah, oh, I might be right. wrong. That's that's a big okay. story Fair. in their like uh, thing because James may have Got never it. been able to play guitar again. John. Got it. His I hand see. Okay. looked like hamburger. Okay. Well, okay. I don't. I don't fucking know. I don't but know. Yeah, okay. So they. So they have like thinking. A, they have like a relationship with Quebec City. But uh, okay. So I don't know. Mexico I was gonna, City. I think is another big one for them too. I can't remember yeah, what well, it is. But probably they just played like a because the stadium there is massive. The Azteca. So like maybe it was like one of their biggest shows they ever played or something. Like the soccer stadium there holds like a hundred and ten thousand people or something like that. Yeah. That, that is a so, good point. That is a good point. So maybe it's that. I have no idea, but that's that's it was just very funny to me to think of like 
Quebec would not be Boardwalk or Park Place on a Canadian version of Monopoly. So I was trying to figure out why it would be <laughs> for Metall for for Canada. It'd be like the hundred dollar property. But yeah, before okay, before like so usually when we do these episodes, we talk about our history with the band, uh, and usually we talk about our history as it relates to the album. Uh, but I before we get into that, like before we talk about Saint Anger specifically, yeah, Metallica is such a huge band, so. Tell me about your history with Metallica just in general, without talking about St. Anger. What, you know, where are you at? Where were you at with Metallica? Where are you at now? Like, yeah, were you, a, you were a fan, you said. Uh, well, okay. I have a weird, actually, it's a longer history than maybe you might think. Cause in 96, I, you know, I'd heard the songs from the Black Album, obviously, and I just, too many times. It just is one of those things where, like, Enter Sand, I've heard of Enter Sandman so many times that I think it should be illegal to play that song anywhere out loud. You should only be allowed to listen to that through <laughs> headphones. <laughs> Nobody needs to hear any of those Black Album songs. And it was just kind of like, I wasn't mad at them, but it was, like, on the radio and, and, I'm into I'm into like corn and stuff like that, which is not on the radio. So it all seemed very uncool. Then load came out. And now I'm going to say this 2023. Brian likes load <laughs> thinks it's good. Actually, it's load and reload are actually good albums. Uh, but I hated it when it came out because, you know, your natural enemy as the corn Deftones Limp Biscuit fan is the radio fan. You know, and it felt so good at the time to say that Metallica was soft and, you know, oh, now they're soft, even to the point where in like 96, I saw uh, Pantera in um, Dayton, Ohio. And between songs, Phil Anselmo for like five minutes talked about how they're the only heavy metal band left because Metallica went soft and like went through this whole thing. And I thought it was like the fucking coolest thing in the world because you know, I really like it when <laughs> you know, I like it when guys talk shit about each other that are in the same field. You know, I like it when a comedian talks shit about another comedian because in the past it it's more common now. But when I was coming up, it was exceedingly rare to hear somebody in a band talk shit about another band or somebody who does comedy talk shit about another comedian. So uh, I was just excited. I think I adopted the Phil Anselmo kind of ethos after that where it's just like this sucks and then all the guys at work at Chuck E. Cheese liked load and like the guys at work at Chuck E. Cheese were like the opposite of me like they were into like Eve 6 and uh, toadies and uh, the, just all that stuff and then it was just like well fuck you you guys like a bunch of crap even though those are things I like now too um, so I didn't like Metallica for a long time and then I mean, I had no desire to listen to him, except I like, like, four years ago, about 2019, 2020, uh, I, for some reason, got way into that covers album they did that has turned the page, and uh, I said, a real Labanga, that song. Yeah, it's uh, Garage Inc., right, is the, the name? I, I got into those songs, and I started listening to them sort of as a goof. And then I listened for the first time to Master of Puppets all the way through. 
I was like, this fucking album rules. So then I got way into Metallica. And I never went back and listened to this. I basically listened to Ride the Lightning and uh, Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets. And, and I liked uh, And Justice for All when I was a kid. So I basically just listened to those three things. So this album, it's just a different band than what I what I like about Metallica. And it's a bummer, too, because, like, I don't know. There's a world where this album isn't bad. And I think as we read into the uh, um, as we read into the different recording techniques and shit, we'll figure out where it went wrong. But uh, I don't like this album, but I love Metallica. That's my history. I I also I hated them so much in 1999 that I walked out of Woodstock 99 when they went on stage. (laughs) I mean, you're right. Fucking bed. I think it's I think you're right in that and we'll talk about, you know, more about St. Anger obviously in a minute, but I think you're right in that like, you know, me being 7 years younger than you, that was, you know, I've talked obviously a ton on this show about, you know, Follow the Leader comes out in 98, I'm 13. Um that's like the huge album that like breaks me into new metal and then and then I'm like full new metal after after Follow the Leader. But like at that time, when I got into new metal, Metallica wasn't cool. It wasn't cool to like them at that time because when you were my age, because you didn't go through, you know, you didn't go through the Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets and like, you know, mid to late 80s Metallica. You didn't, you didn't live through that. So like, yeah, all you kind of knew was maybe the big singles, the, the Black Album in particular. And Metallica just felt really like classic rock to me already, but by like 98 and not that they were super, super old, you know, they weren't Led Zeppelin or Pink Floyd or, you know, they weren't putting albums out Mm -hmm. in the late sixties, early seventies. But to me, that's what Metallica was like, you know, when you were, when you became a fan of new metal at the age I was at, unless your dad maybe listened to Metallica, but my dad didn't. So I didn't have any, I had almost no exposure to Metallica other than what I would hear uh, you know, on, on much music or on the radio. And yeah, it just, it really got lumped in as sort of like classic rock. So I can remember, you know, I had a, a really good friend growing up who was a massive Metallica fan. Like they were his favorite band and I, but he also liked, you know, he liked Lincoln park and, and corn and stuff. And I was always so confused. I was just like, how is Metallica your favorite band? Like those guys are kind of fogies. Like they're sort of, they make like old ass music, you know, like I was never, I was never a big fan of Metallica, uh, uh, ever, you know? And then I saw them live a couple times. I saw them play the summer sanitarium tour. Um, and that I was going to that show for all the other bands because I was a huge Limp Bizkit, Linkin Park, Deftones fan. And then I saw them again. Just all my friends wanted to go. They, they came to Vancouver probably like two years after Sanitarium with Godsmack. And I went and saw them again because I was like, oh, maybe it'd be fun to see them in an arena. But I just I never liked their music, really like that, you know. Some of the and I still you know some of the songs are good you know I I got no problem most of the songs I like are on the black album but I like you know I hear Master of Puppets or some of the older you know and Justice for All and for whom the bell tolls and stuff like I hear those older songs and I'm like okay these are good but I at no point have ever heard a Metallica song and I'm like I gotta hear I gotta hear more I gotta hear all of this and I think 
honestly, and and people listening to this might that might piss them off or whatever because Metallica is such a seminal band for so many people. But I just think for me, um, they just being my age, they just really felt like a classic rock band. And I just didn't like classic rock bands, really. You know, Led Zeppelin was maybe the only exception. I always liked them. But other than that, I just thought they were like old guys that like weren't that cool to me. And so I, it's just funny to think about Metallica probably seeming like the coolest fucking guys on earth for a certain age group. And then for me, I'm like, these guys are lame. These guys are lame wads, you know? Uh, there, well, there was like also like just almost like a a large amount of sort of bad press when you were totally the Napster stuff definitely did not help load was I mean people will say now oh I like load I actually but it was so uncool to like load in like 96 97 or after it came out that like the only guys I knew that liked it were the dorks at um were the dorks at Chuck E. Cheese that I worked with right which is like I don't want to be into the same stuff as these fucking dorks. So I'm not going to listen to it. And it also signified that they had become no longer edgy in a way. When you listen to those songs now, they're so good. They're so uh, like fuel, like almost I like all the singles from that era that give me fuel, give me fire, give me that. Which I, 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 sure. Stuff yeah. like that. And yeah, I like uh, I like. I like the song with uh, Marianne Faithful in it so fucking much. That da 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 da. da. You know, the memory remains. I like that yes, song. Great song. And and I like Unforgiven too, which is one of the great accomplishments in all of music is making a sequel to a song and then saying, "And are you unforgiven too?" Like. <laughs> I fucking love that. I think that is like one of the funniest things. And it kind of irritates me that when they made Unforgiven 3, they didn't figure out how to say Unforgiven 3 in some way. But but like those songs were all so good, but they had get they had gotten it felt like they had got roped into alt rock at that time, which is bullshit. But at the time it felt like they got roped into alt rock. If you were a if you were like a corn guy or any of those guys, like alt rock wasn't fucking cool at all. You wanted to stay a, as far away from like that kind of uh, that. Uh, the only way to describe it is alt rock, like the the Stone Temple Pilots, the Pearl Jam, the uh, the fucking Mud Honey or whatever. All those bands you wanted to keep away. So I think you came up in a time. See. I got Injustice for All for my for Christmas when I was like fucking 10 or 11. And uh, I listened to it every night before I went to bed. I just loved it. I thought it was so fucking great. And I don't think I've listened to it since, like, because it's recorded like shit. A lot like this album. No bass situation. Um, but yeah, I, I think I came up at a time where it was very cool to like Metallica. And then... As I got older, it became very uncool. I think now we can all admit that, like, they're fucking assholes, you know? (laughs) Yeah. But we can also all admit that it sort of does make sense to not be thrilled about Napster. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, they were actually, 
it, they took a bullet for a lot of bands that probably actually wanted to do it that were actually worried about their their lifestyle determining I their agree. death style it is it's weird how the napster stuff has aged i think like i i think it has actually aged really well for metallica and i, I you know i think it's interesting like there's uh there's an interview where they um you know we're gonna obviously get into the articles there's quite a bit um but uh but yeah like it's a play an interview with playboy that they did in 2009 uh so you know quite a bit after the napster thing and you know lars is obviously a dick and and you know, but he, he has some good points and he kind of says like, you know, we sold 80 million records. Like I didn't need the money. Like I didn't, I wasn't suing Napster for the money, but like, it's my music. Like this is the, this is the exact quote here. Playboy says, maybe you were right on the merits, but it's hard for people to sympathize with the rich. Lars says, yeah, it is. So it becomes about these greedy rock stars, but understand 80 million records later. I don't know what the fuck to do with all the money I have. So now can we talk about what the real issue is? The real issue for me is choice. I want to choose what happens to my music. It's pretty clear that the future is selling your music online, but common sense will tell you that you cannot do that. If the guy next door is giving it away for free and like, yeah. I, and I mean, we still see it now. Like Spotify pays, you know, point zero 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 one cent a song, a stream or whatever. Like, you know, pardon me. We have this so-called legal way of consuming music or whatever, but it doesn't help the artists at all. Like the only thing artists can make money on now is touring. They can't make it on, on releasing records anymore. So you know, it, it is funny how well that's aged and just how well the like all the bands that were sort of accused big time of selling out in that sort of era. You know, Green Day is obviously one that springs to mind. Um, you know, even U2, like bands like that that got really accused of selling out. It's just like now you look back on all that stuff and it's just like, but that. Uh, almost everything a lot of them were doing made perfect sense. And like the Napster thing makes sense. I mean, now do I agree with super rich guys, uh, super rich white guys going after, you know, Oh, I'm going to bankrupt all these kids that are sharing music online, you know, where they were bringing in the, here's the usernames and the IP addresses of everybody that's downloaded our songs. Like, do I agree with that part of it? Fuck no. Obviously that's horrible, but at the same time, the whole idea of like, we just wanted to get paid for our music. It's like, yeah, of course. Like, and you're right. It was a bit of a situation where a bigger band was kind of able to take the bullet for the, for the smaller bands, even though it didn't really work out that well, you know, there is an element of it looking back on it where you go, Oh, you know, they kind of had, they kind of had things somewhat right. Actually. I mean, I think that, discourse about selling out at the time was less about like cashing in money wise and more about there's new people at the concerts and I don't like them. Right. Which that they're not legacy club members. (laughs) Yeah. These motherfuckers weren't legacy members. Yeah. What the hell? (laughs) I mean, come on. It was $60 a year to be in the Metallica fan club, which I guess isn't too bad. Um, I did five bucks a month. Yeah. Yeah. I did find their Quora. Um, I listened to these questions. Nice. Are the membership benefits of Met Club, Metallica's official fan club, worth the cost? Um, Chat GPT answers that, so it's not helpful. And then a guy said, why do some fans of Metallica think they are sellouts? (laughs) But I I, I think the sellout thing was a greedy 
as a listener, as a fan sort of thing, where it was like I started accusing Corn of selling out after Follow the Leader, uh, after Issues. I would say Issues is the cough because I love Issues. I love that fucking album. Uh, but I started calling them sellouts. They weren't really doing, up until the fucking Skrillex thing, they weren't really doing anything different. They were still making the same fucking songs. But when I went to the concert, there were actually a couple thousand people there, and I didn't like that. I didn't like yeah. how far away I was from the stage. I didn't like that I had to pay money to mosh. I didn't, I didn't like any of that stuff. And that's what's selling out actually ended up being before because they're green day if i listen to i don't i don't find any discernible in uh difference between green day on kerplunk almost and green day on whatever the american idiot or the album after dookie that. I, yeah dookie yeah. was the album right dookie was the one where they got accused of selling out from kerplunk to dookie yeah right i don't see a big demonstrative difference me neither between those me things neither. and i was the same way with corn i don't see I mean that fucking Untouchables albums. It sounds like regular. It sounds like Corn when I listen to it now. But at the time, I was like, "Fuck these guys! I'm not into this. They're fucking sellouts." Uh, and then I remember, you, you know, you never said the Deftones sold out, and the reason you never said the Deftones sold out is because they never really hit that. Top, yeah, they top didn't sell enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it would. No, you're right. It's it, it wouldn't mean anything. It like it means nothing. Now Metallica, if I'm Lars and I'm in Metallica, and this Napster thing is driving me up the fucking wall. It's just driving me crazy. It sucks. What I do is find a smaller band to explain a smaller band with an articulate person to explain why this is actually hurting them because Metallica doing it. I, I, I mean, even if they did that fucking now, dude, I would still be like, Oh fuck these guys. They got plenty of money. They, they can, you know, but when I think about it just now and, 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 you know, there was a lot of, there, you know, this is on a different scale, but you know, you can remember in like 2016, 2017, 2018, uh, when the Chapo guys started, you know, making, real money was the first time where i was like i mean you don't control you sort of don't control what money you make you 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 would like to i would love to control what money i make and but like people get very mad it's like what am i supposed to do like give stuff away for free which i already do or at a certain point do i just say no more patrons you're not i don't we don't need any more patrons that's it it's over then what does that say to the person that paid in 2016 for the met club or whatever and it just becomes like a whole i don't know it becomes like a whole fucking ball of of issues when it comes to people getting paid for their art which i think is getting better now yeah but 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 still you're right there is an there is an element of like podcast listeners who are you know we've talked about it i think on the show before but there is definitely that sect of podcast listeners who are like I like your podcast and I want you to make money, but I also don't want you to make money. Yeah. I don't like, it's a weird, you're rich. Yeah, totally. Totally. Or I don't want you. Yeah. I don't. And, and listen, nobody think that about me. I'm definitely not rich, (laughs) Uh, but it is that thing of like, I, you don't know where to stop it. Nobody goes to work and turns down a raise. No, you know what I mean? Totally. And like, it's just a really difficult thing to, to get past because it is like you want more of this 
You want me to be able to give you, you, you want Metallica to be able to give you stuff, but you don't want to make any more money. So what are they supposed to like do a charity tour where it's just free and everybody (laughs) just gets to go and it's like really fun. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It, maybe it's a capitalism thing. I don't fucking know. Some kind of weird thing in my in in your head. But I just think people deserve to at least have a choice about where their shit goes. Yeah. And uh, and I think they, that's what they're talking about, which makes perfect sense. Like I made this music. Why? Why are you is it entitled to? Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about the album uh, in question. Ugh. This is Saint Anger. It is likely the only Metallica album we could cover on this show because it's sort of the only Metallica album that could ostensibly be referred to as new metal. Uh, but yeah, it uh, came out on June 5th, 2003. So it was six years after Reload came out in 1997. Ugh. Long break for the band and a long recording period as well. This album was recorded almost over the course of a year. They started recording it in May. May 1st, 2002, they finished recording in April 2003, so almost a full year of recording at Metallica HQ, which was an old United States Army barracks at the Presidio in San Francisco that they converted into a studio, and uh, so that just already goes to show you how much money they had. Uh, The album was, uh, as I said, came out on June 5th, 2003, was produced by Bob Rock and Metallica. It was the last Metallica album that came out on Elektra Records. The album spawned four singles, St. Anger, Frantic, The Unnamed Feeling, and Some Kind of monster and i'll be honest with you uh this so this album story has gone two times platinum in america it sold six million copies worldwide but this right here is going to show you how uh just insane metallica is like you know we've obviously covered big albums on the show hybrid theory really comes to mind that's still uh the best uh selling debut album of the 21st century it's still the best selling rock album of the 21st century but when you think about like worldwide uh exposure this is uh where saint anger peaked in these countries, Australia won, Austria won, Belgium won, Canada won, Denmark won, Netherlands two, Finland won, France won, Germany won, Greece won, Hungary won, Ireland won, Italy two, Japan won, New Zealand won, Norway won, Poland won, Portugal won, Scotland two, Spain two, Sweden won, Switzerland two, UK three, US one. Um, so it is, you know, they just have a global pull that really no bands we've looked at on the show have the album has gone gold at least gold in basically every country i just mentioned plus brazil uh plus uh russia um so yeah i mean it's insane it's it's gone platinum in europe uh, it's gone plat two times platinum in the states platinum in can- two times platinum in canada australia germany new zealand platinum in a bunch of other countries so yeah I mean, it just goes to show you, even for an album that most people don't really like, um, you know, they had a huge, a huge worldwide global following. Uh, so, yeah, Brian, let's get into it here. Oh, by the way, it also won uh, Best Metal Performance uh, in 2004 for St. Anger, uh, the song St. Anger. <laughs> in 2004, it beat out Korn's Did My Time, Marilyn Manson's Mob Scene, Spine Shank's Smothered. So Spine Shank was nominated for a Grammy, which I had no idea. And Stone Sour's Inhale. Uh, so yeah, Metallica won for St. Anger. Metallica has won the best metal performance Grammy one, two, three, four, five, six times. 
Um, so yeah, that was one of their six wins for best metal performance for the song St. Anger. Brian, okay, we talked about your former history with Metallica in 2003. Take us back. Were you excited about this album at all? I mean, obviously it was on your radar because it's Metallica, but were you excited about it at all? Did you listen to it at all? What was your St. Anger exposure in June of 03? The first thing I want to say is you don't sell an album based on the album you just made, right? Like St. Anger sold a bunch of records, not because it's St. Anger, it's because people liked Load. Like Load and Reload were a hit. So they bought, it wasn't bought on any, people weren't buying St. Anger on any merits. Uh, So what I remember, and I don't even know if this is 100% true, maybe. Maybe it's maybe it's bullshit, but I do remember MTV making a big deal about sane anger uh, to the and I think somebody might have even posted on Twitter that said, didn't they play every hour for one day? They played the sane anger, whatever the song the single. Takes, yeah, the single. Yeah, they're in like and a prison in the video. Right. I think I think they're here in Columbus where the incarceration. Tour oh, OK. Nice. Yeah, I think that's where yeah. they film it. Um, but. Like, um, I remember being like, okay, well, they said that this is, I was new. actually shot in San Quentin, Brian, ah, San Quentin okay. prison. Well, I was wrong. Uh, I, I, I think that the idea that they, uh, um, said that it was going to be way heavier. Uh, they said that it was going to be closer to what was popular at the time. And also I had sort of opened my mind to stuff. I had always like pantera so they're they're the same they're they're basically the same kind of music so i got excited and then i heard that first single and i was like this is the fucking worst thing i've ever heard in my life like i could never i could i i hated that song i hated that song so much that i i waited for it to come on again to make sure that but I you hated it, it right. so bad. Saying yeah. anger around my neck. It was almost hard for me to even listen to it this time without being like, am I really hearing? <laughs> this sucks so fucking bad. <laughs> it's crazy how bad it sucks. It really is like a high level of really being uh, really. I'm trying to get I'm get my notes up because my notes were as grumpy as ever this time. I just got so mad. And then there's fucking songs. I'll say this too. There's fucking songs on here where you're like, I can't even, I don't think my brain knows how to retain this. Like, I I don't know what this is. I'm not even like, there's nothing special about it at all. Well, I remember like, so for me, like I said, Metallica was not a serious band for me um, at the time, but obviously I did know St. Anger was coming out and it was a big deal because it was a six year layoff. There was the reports of, you know, James had gone to rehab and he was sober. And that's kind of part of the reason why the album took so long to come out and blah, blah, blah. And so I remember, yeah, it was definitely an event. I also graduated in June of 2003. So I, I kind of just remember, um, you know, going to a lot of like parties at the time and, and you know, people being into Metallica, wanting to li- like wanting to be excited about St. Anger. And then I remember even among those guys, uh, they just weren't excited about the lead single. Like St. Anger came out and it was kind of a joke. Like it was sort of, you know, oh, hey, you got to hear this Metallica song. Like Lars's snare sounds like a trash can and they're trying to do new metal and there's no guitar solo. And like 
even among sort of the uneducated or like people who weren't huge music fans. I mean, in 03, like, yeah, Napster's around, but you were still in the, you know, the dawn of internet criticism and that kind of thing. Like you were really only getting music from much music in the radio, mostly. Um, even that, it was like people constantly like making jokes about like, yeah, this, you got to hear this song. It kind of sucks, you know? And then, and then me hearing it and being like, it kind of just justified what I felt about Metallica. Cause yeah, I, you know, I started liking new metal in 98 reload came out in 97. So there, this was my first like new Metallica experience. And it was just like, Oh, this stinks. Yeah. This is this. It just justified everything I thought about them where it was just like, this is not a good song. Uh, this band is not good. Uh, or at least I don't like them. And, uh, yeah, I remember it. It was just funny how it had gripped the consciousness kind of as a joke, almost in the way that like Limp Bizkit gripped people's consciousness as like all of a sudden they were a joke. It was kind of like that. It was like, oh, guess what? Metallica's a joke now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and the song is, is the song is so that the first song you hear with those drums. I mean, everything sounds so bad on this album. To the, the production is so bad. It made me fucking feel like it was made to give me headaches. Because I, <laughs> I listen to loud stuff all the fucking time, you know, and I love loud shit. My, my phone is perpetually turned all the way up. No matter what I'm listening to, it's turned all the way up. That's the only way I can hear it. And like... Man, here's one of the notes I made that I think is 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 really the best way to review this album and uh, or the best way to explain the the feeling of reviewing this album. And it's uh this album tests me in ways that no other album has. <laughs> I I just want to <laughs> listen to 3 minutes of each song or listen to it on 5x speed because they're in a song on here that doesn't overstay its welcome. And oh, I, I no. I now I think my other thing about this album, this is my big theory of of Saint Anger. Uh not having guitar solos on it meant that it they would give more lyrics. Like there would yeah. just be more lyrics. There's just more song. They clearly yeah. like they clear when you listen to this, it's fucked. The song structures are fucked because it's like they clearly think that every song needs to be six to eight minutes. Like in their mind, that's just like how long a Metallica song is without counting the fact that most of the songs, one minute of that is a guitar solo and then maybe 30 seconds before the guitar solo and 30 seconds after our bridge. So like really most Metallica songs are four minutes long with two minutes of some kind of instrumental and when all of a sudden you strip away that instrumental, they're like, well, songs are just six minutes. That's just how long songs are. And it just doesn't, there's nothing interesting. It's like, no, no there's a reason most pop songs don't have six verses. It's because people don't want six verses out of one song. And it's just like, it, it was amazing how many times it's like, oh, they're just going, they're just doing that part again okay because they didn't know what to do either they wasn't like they were changing parts you know sometimes in hip-hop songs like halfway through the song the beat will change and then they're kind of all of a sudden doing something different but it's still the same song metallica's not doing that anywhere on here they're just like we got a verse we got a chorus and we're doing each of them six times have fun out there well the way they recorded it 
also is is I think that's the problem is the they keep talking about like well you know we didn't really record them in order of the way you hear like they had to learn to play the songs that they recorded after the album was finished oh be- totally because they did everything they basically had what it was and then they did an or they put it in the order that they thought sound the best which i think is probably the worst way i could ever think of to make a coherent album and and i i just feel like they should have known that their fans wanted solos like this album is so much better with solos if they had done and i i don't you know, I, new metal is not a solo kind of music. It doesn't lend itself to it. That's not what it is. But I think the argument here is that Metallica shouldn't be making a new metal album. No, <laughs> they the they didn't thing. know how to do it. They didn't know how no. to do it. And I, and I think you're right. Like it is really, it's like they were trying to manufacture rawness. Like they didn't yes. know how. You know, like it's. They heard corn and they heard $3 bill y'all and they heard adrenaline and around the fur and they were like, oh, okay. New metal is like raw and it's vulnerable and it kind of sounds shitty, but then it's like when you're spending $5 million to make a record and you build your own studio in a abandoned army barracks and all like you're you automatically forfeit that stuff. And so it's like a bunch of rich guys trying to like mimic rawness. And I think this is really interesting. This is one of the articles and I think it just informs so much about the record that I want to read it now. This is from blabbermouth uh, from June 13th, 2003, but they were compiling an MTV.com interview with Bob rock and the, the title of the article is Metallica producer speaks out on St. Anger And it's just, there's so many quotes in here that explain so much of this. So Bob says, I wanted to do something to shake up radio and the way everything else sounds. Because again, they knew they're going to get on the radio. Like corn wasn't getting on the radio. It may be in Columbus. They were in Canada. They were not getting on the radio. So like wrong by this time they had been sure, uh, but follow the leaders when they started getting regular airplay, but yeah, they I'm just the, saying, I, like, I, I to wanna... most rock radio, it's not going to sound like this, but they're like, we're Metallica, so we'll get on the radio, so we're going to shake it up. And so he says, there was there was really no time to get amazing performances out of James Hetfield, Rock said. We liked the raw performances, and we didn't do what everyone does and what I've been guilty of for a long time, which is tuning vocals. We just oh. did it, boom, and that was it. <laughs> and it's like, well, okay maybe James needs to be tuned Mm -hmm. after the basic recordings were done. Metallica tried to add guitar solos, but rock and the band ultimately decided to leave them all out. We made a promise to ourselves that we'd only keep stuff that had integrity. That to me is like the key sentence right there is like they've invented this concept in their mind that they're calling integrity. Mm -hmm. But what they mean is corn's debut album, what it sounds like. And they're like, we got to try to create integrity wrong lesson. Bob Rock says we didn't want to make a theatrical statement by adding overdubs. If we added something and it helped the mood or what we were trying to convey that stayed. But if it distracted from that, then we killed it. Every time we tried to do a solo, either it dated it slightly or took away from what we were trying to accomplish in some other way. I think we all wanted the aggression to come from the band rather than one player. 
And then he also admits that they basically cut the songs into pieces and reassembled them at random. There are movements in movie making and in music where you take technology as an art and you actually abuse it. Some people use pro tools to trick and fool the listener, but we used it more as a creative tool to do something interesting and stretch boundaries. Technically you'll hear symbols go away and you'll hear bad edits. We wanted to disregard what everybody assumes records should be and throw out all the rules. I've spent 25 years learning how to do it the so-called right way. I didn't want to do that anymore. But there's <laughs> nobody wants to follow the rules and they don't have any idea. The wrong lesson that they took from Corn is that people really like an album that's recorded shitty. When at the time I, I said this on the Corn episode, the first episode we ever did, that that was kind of the way I saw it too. Right? Like I. Oh my God. Uh, my wife is taking putting me on FaceTime with my daughter while I work. So hi, Katie. Hi, Gwen. John said, hi guys. Bye guys. Uh, but, but like uh, the wrong lesson that they took from corn. First of all, Metallica are very good. Well, almost everybody in Metallica is very good at playing their instruments. Lars yeah. stinks. Lars is not good. Put yeah. that to the side. And we're going to say that Kirk Hammett he really can fucking play guitar, you know, for like sure. very well. And Robert Trujillo can play bass like like fucking great. And James Hetfield can even play. Oh, yeah, really good. he can play. And he's a good singer, too. So what fucking point is it to not do that? What, what? Who do you think wants that? Do you think that you release Sane Anger and then some kid that was fucking way into corn when the first album came out were like, oh, this is the same as corn? Like, is that really what they thought people were going to do? And if they thought that, how about you make some three to four minute songs? If you want to do what they're doing, that's what they're doing. They cut the solos out of metal, which. Was a long time coming, because um, punk had kind of taken the solos out of regular rock, right? Like they they just were like, yeah. uh, we're not going to do those anymore. And I I always felt the corn, and at the time this was a very big deal to me. Took the solos out of the songs, and the songs were so fucking long, and like uh, uh, they should have. If you you could make the decision, you can have all eight minute songs. If there's some kind of change up in the fucking song, yeah, there's got to be a change up. Yeah. And if the solo is perfect for an eight minute song, you get a two minute solo in the middle of the song. And I think a lot of these songs are good, like good listening. We wouldn't be talking about it on the POD cast. But as far as somebody who likes heavy music, you would definitely get that. You know what I mean? Like you would definitely get a person all the the people that liked Metallica at the time. And I think it's even smarter in a way to look at the album sales of the next album after St. Anger to see how well St. Anger did. Was that Death Magnetic or something? Death Magnetic was the one that came after. Yeah. Uh, Death Magnetic is, let me take a look here. Certifications. Uh, Death Magnetic also peaked at number one on a ton of countries' yeah. charts. Uh, it is two times platinum in the U.S., uh, one time platinum in Europe, uh, yeah. two times in Australia, four times platinum in Canada. Um, <laughs> well, Canada, you know. Yeah, d- d- stupid old Canada. But yeah, so it looks like it performed almost the same as St. Anger, maybe, maybe a little worse. 
But yeah, it just so, seems like that's where they flatlined out, right? It was like they were never going to sell black album levels no. again or load levels again. Like that was it, you know? Yeah, if there was a way to judge how people... Because it is very hard to to compare album sales, especially from the era that we're Oh, totally. About. Yeah, Death Magnetic <laughs> comes out in 2008. So yeah, it's, everything's yeah. different even by then. Yeah. Um, I will say I did take some notes on some of the songs that I'd like to... Yeah, please. On let's frantic on frantic. I tick, said, tick, tick, tick. Sucks. Definitely opens like a new metal song. And then uh, I said, every single instrument sounds like shit. The lyrics are so silly and almost don't fit with the music. Even James starts singing. It is funny. Like there is f- straight up laugh out loud shit on this album that is like, why are you doing that? Like why? Why James makes so many choices and the lyrics on this album. All time bad, which I love. They're so fucking bad. The lyrics on here are so fucking bad. There's actually a part of an interview. I'm going to weave in a little bit of the interview stuff because there's a line in the interview that I found so fucking funny. Um, Okay. Where's it at? According to fucking crap. So there's there's a. Where is it? Wow, Brian, I have. Hold on. Give me two seconds. I'll find it. But. It's like uh, uh, I took a picture and I even highlighted what I like. Uh, basically, it was him saying like, uh, "No, I'll never find." A lot of the songs were done in William Burroughs' cut. You already read that, well, yeah, yeah. Anyway. That's the Bob Rock thing, the cut and paste. Yeah, yeah. There's a part of this where he says something about uh, the great elsewhere in the in the, and I was like, "That's his mindset." right now like his mindset is i'm fucking doing poetry okay like this is not heavy metal it's kind of like when you hear about like people being artistic pro wrestlers and you're like well don't do that that's stupid and like nobody <laughs> nobody wants that people want to yeah. see you fake fight and people want to see metallica be big dumb fucking oafs playing instruments that's what people drunk want. off their ass yeah yeah i mean i think like Honestly, listening to this album reminded me there's a gr- one of my favorite roast jokes of all time. Patrice O'Neill did the roast of Charlie Sheen uh, just before he died. And you could tell that Patrice kind of going into it was surprised at how hard people were on him. Like, I think he kind of thought like, oh, I'm a comic legend and people aren't really going to, you know, they might roast me a little bit, but they're not going to go off on me. And he... So he goes up to the dais uh, or to the podium with notes and then he doesn't do any of the notes. He just is basically like freewheeling on everybody on the panel and Steve-O is on the panel and Patrice O'Neill says, uh, Steve-O, this new sober you, it fucking stinks, man. Uh, <laughs> we, we all hate it. Uh, you know, we liked it way better when you were drunk. And it's just like that was that quote was like running through my mind because I think the problem is it's like it's like James Hetfield has this weird like post nut clarity on this album or like that he perceives like so he's perceiving it 
as I was drunk all these years and I wrote these lyrics and I'm, and I wrote these songs and I was profoundly fucked up and now I'm not fucked up. It's like, I'm seeing the world for the first time. I have more clarity than I've ever had. So therefore ipso facto, my songwriting is going to be the best it's ever been. And I think Metallica really tricked themselves into believing that like that Mm. you can tell when you read the articles and stuff like they really believed like this is the best version of the band we've ever been. We're older. We're healthy. James is sober. We've got a psychologist working with us. Like we are in a great mental space and they missed that. Like, part of obviously part of what was making their music good was the conflict was the addiction was the like. And so I think that's the problem is like Metallica. It seems like they're just, they're just drinking their own Kool-Aid here yeah. where they, they just think we're, this is, we're really doing something here. And, um, and so they leaned into all of their worst instincts. I think because of that, because they thought, this is we're man we're this is amazing what we're doing here um and and I think that that's why you never see them go back to this style like even with death magnetic they were just like yeah saint anger that was we were that was wrong what we were doing well, but in the moment I think they felt like we're doing the best we've ever done I found the part that and this illustrate I found what I was looking for and this illustrates kind of what you just said in a way one of the reasons that Jason left the group maybe the main reason was that he wasn't allowed to work outside of Metallica do you think that now with your new attitude from having gone through rehab he'd have he'd have no reason to leave so here's James yeah that's very true with my fears of abandonment and control issues it makes sense that I would do that that I would try to grip harder to keep the family together that no one would leave for fear that they might find something better somewhere else when initially all he had was to go jam with some other band and find out that you know Metallica is home you don't know what home is until you leave and he'd maybe have become more grateful to be in Metallica that's certainly one ending to that story now here's where he gets weird But that certainly wasn't the only reason he left. A lot of other things combined and caused him to escape into a future of his own elsewhere and search for happiness. And we're all hoping he finds it. And I think that's grown up James Hetfield. I don't want to fucking hear James Hetfield talk about the great elsewhere. That's not anything that I'm into. I wanted to be mad about something. And like the the new set stuff is totally fucked up. And, and, And James certainly owes him i mean i know he's getting paid or whatever but james hetfield i mean the the stuff you read about the jason newstead stuff is like what a bunch of pieces of fucking shit there's no fucking reason that guy couldn't have done a side project you know what i mean especially when they were not when they were taking six years off between albums totally i know and this is from the same article it's it's a so weirdly enough this album is or this episode we're recording this in june so it's it's coming out in july but uh we're recording it in the 20 20 year anniversary month this this album came out in june of 2003 so this is a louder sound retrospective of of saint anger 
and uh, that that Brian read that quote from, and it's kind of like more of that stuff here where Kirk is talking about, um, you know, it's deep seated anger that's deep within our personalities. In the last two years, we've been exploring our inner personalities and discovering that there's a lot of fucking residual anger there that came from our childhoods. And it's something that fame, money and celebrity is not an antidote for. It's deep seated anger that's always been there. Um kill them all we were very angry young men and now we're very angry middle-aged men and it's just like i don't really buy that you're angry but then james goes on and they said you know are you worried that you know now that you're sort of getting more well adjusted that there's going to be writer's block and james says i can see how someone could get caught up in that fear of running out of creative juice but i truly don't believe that music was a great gift for me i discovered that somewhat early but i don't need alcohol i don't need anger i don't need serenity i don't need any of those things to be creative when asked what was filling the gaps left by the alcohol, the anger, and all the darker facets of Hetfield's personality, the Metallica frontman had a succinct answer. Life, he replied. I've been trying to dump everything else. Sex, drugs, rock and roll. Chocolate's a real struggle these days. Nice. Or work. Kathy. And it was just like, and I'm just like, yeah, that does sound like he's mad at chocolate in this record. Like it just, again, like I said earlier, I think it's just that, yeah that post nut clarity that they think they kind of have on this record. And, and yeah, you're right. Like it does when you watch some kind of monster and, and we won't get too deep into some kind of monster. Cause I assume we'll cover that for a bonus episode someday, but on some kind of monster, you really get a sense of, in the studio parts, they really are just writing it apart at a time. It's like Kirk comes up with a riff or Lars comes up with a drum beat and they're just like, okay, great it's written where that part's written. That's a sick part. And then they start putting lyrics to it or whatever. And then they put it together and the album just really does sound like, Hey, we came up with like three cool parts. Those parts together. will make a song. We will repeat each part four times in every song. And that's every song. Like there's just no, pardon me. There's nothing engaging about the structure of these songs in any way at all. There's nothing that grips you. I think the first three songs are okay. Frantic St. Anger and some kind of monster are all fine. Um, you know, I don't like any of them, but I don't hate any of them. I think it's just like, it's like, okay, fine. And then after that, I mean, it just falls off a fucking cliff Um, and it's just like a straight hour of just like, where am I even at? Like, you're right, Brian, there's no progression to the songs. Like it's easy to put it on and you're just like, I don't even, you look down and you're like, we're five minutes into this song. Like it feels like you're still on the first verse for some reason. Yeah. The, 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 the album is, I, I, I point, I said, it's kind of like Muzak in a way because it is this like, it's metal for sure, but it it's so repetitive and the sounds are so exactly the same and the songs are so long that you don't know where you're at in the album. You don't know what to write down in the notes about the album. I do have a few songs that I found at the end to be truly fucking hilarious. And, and the one I really wanted to make sure I got in there is Shoot Me Again, where where he tries to talk like, clint eastwood and it's <laughs> extremely funny shoot me again i ain't dead yet like the way that he's saying it sounds like he watched a western heard that line and then put it in the song and now he feels like 100%. he's a cowboy and he 100 percent feels like he's a cowboy anyway because he doesn't live in san francisco he lives out he's very 
open about how he doesn't want to be in cities. He lives outside. He lives out in the woods and he hunts and stuff like that. So he thinks he's a cowboy, too. And all he ends up being is a rich guy who has the... It's like Joe Rogan, right? It's like Joe Rogan to brag and brag about, oh, I went camping with like a Navy SEAL and it was fucking crazy. It's like you just... You paid money to have a guy take you out in the woods and pretend like you're fucking going... You're roughing it. You know what I mean? And that's what James Hetfield is like. I hump my food. This and homophobic. He is very homophobic, too. Maybe not now. But but that song really made me laugh. Uh, And then the the last song I want to bring up. And and. Again, most of the album's very boring and unremarkable. Now, all within my hands is is the last song. And your theory about them hearing Korn's first album and saying this is what we need to do, that song sounds like the end of a Korn album. That like he he's little less focused, his voice kind of goes a little out. It feels like he's getting really emotional in the song and that song to me was like the biggest indication of like these guys are just doing what they think is going to sell a a million albums you know and the end of it sounds like the end of a corn album it's crazy how much the end of it feels like a i think it's even a longer song and i think he he doesn't cry like daddy or yeah no but he's doing that he's doing that kind of song make no mistake they are taking a corn template and making a metallica album they're not they're not making a corn album but they have the corn template no guitar solos uh you know very emotional lyrics and 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 to them emotional lyrics was just like i'm mad all the time yes (laughs) yes exactly the only emotion is anger but it's also not like they don't know how to process it it's not like Jonathan Davis, the anger is pointed. It's like my childhood bullies, my uh, stepmom, my dad, my like, you know, uh, people called me weird. Like there's very specific things, whereas like Metallica are six albums deep into a very successful career. Lars grew up a rich kid like that. A lot of them didn't face adversity. So they're just kind of like, we're angry. And it's like, well, but why in your castle? What are you angry about? Your moat dried up or something? Like it just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense for me. The, the lyrical one that stands out is some kind of monster. I mean, it's just fucking hilarious, uh, where they just list a bunch of things that like maybe a monster would sort of have. And it's very (laughs) funny because in the documentary, you see them writing it. And this is the one where the, the therapist actually like is helping write some of the, the metaphors, I guess, or the, just, I guess they're not even metaphors, descriptions of the monster. And it's just the, like, these are the eyes that can't see me. These are the hands that drop your trust. These are the boot. Like it just, but there's so many of those lines. Like oh, yeah. there's like, okay. Four, eight, 12, 16, 20, 24, 28, 32, 36, 40. There's 40 of the, this is the blank that does this lines. So again, like some kind of monster is, to me, the most obvious example of the St. Anger bloat. Like that song is uh, 
eight minutes and 25 seconds long. And the entire thing is literally just, these are the things that can't ding this. These are the do's that, and they do that. This is the bum and this bum ding. Da 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 boop ba. That's the, and then the course is some kind of monster. Like, and you can see in the documentary when they come up with the some kind of monster part, they're like, dude, yeah, yep. man, fucking right. This is like a monster, man. Like, they're Poetry. so fucking, yes. And it's just like, why did you feel? Because, yeah, there's a part about halfway through the song where there's a sort of little instrumental break, and you're like, okay, that must be the end of the song. It's like, this is the face that stones you. And you're like, oh my God, we're doing more of these? And yeah. in run out of stuff, like in the beginning, it's all parts of the monster. Like, these are the eyes, these are the hands, these are the feet. By the end, it's this is the test of flesh and soul. This is the trap that smells so good. This Wait. is the flood that drains these. Eyes. Like, it's like, okay, we've run out of parts you of a monster. Get, so now, now it's just you wanted, to get, you wanted them to get to the pancreas. You were like, "Where's what is the pancreas of this?" <laughs> Very this is the pancreas dried up. This is the insulin I need, like <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I didn't like. I really didn't like any of the songs on this album. Like none of them. I I found them. I found that when I did like something, it was a piece of a song that. I it was a piece of a song that was good, but then immediately followed by something that sucks. And the sound, it's just terrible sounding. I don't I can't believe how terrible this album sounds. And I'd heard it. I'd heard stuff, but it just sounds bad. And uh yeah, the the if I had to recommend one song from this album, it would be Shoot Me Again and it would be to goof on it. I John I almost cut a verse and a chorus out and put it on my soundboard to play for you because it sounds so fucking funny. And I had to I had to be held back from doing it because it is one of the <laughs> his voice in that song. Shoot me again. I ain't dead yet. was like because there is some conversation in here, too, about James wanting to do a, a country album. And right. uh, I think that was his kind of I'm going to try to do a country album. But he can't totally. do it now. It's funny because now James can't really do a solo album or he looks like even more of a fucking dick. Well, to me, I think one of the most damning things about this album is uh, if you go to Apple Music, uh, there is an official Metallica Essentials playlist and uh, it has 51 songs on it. It is five hours and five minutes long and none of those songs are on St. Anger. So that to me, and it's got songs from Death Magnetic on it. It's got songs from Hardwired to Self-Destruct. Like it's not a, it's not because it was like, oh, yeah. it just stopped at Reload. It's like, no, uh -huh. this was a playlist made in 2023 and there's no songs from St. Anger. And then there's another Apple Music playlist that is Metallica Deep Cuts. And there's one song from St. Anger on that. It's um, terrible. It's really, yeah. it's, it's just so bad. So, yeah, so I there's that. And then there's also the uh, there's also um, you like you said, Brian, you got into that covers project, you know, like 60 different artists covered Metallica songs. None of them covered a St. Anger song uh, like it is just truly an album that time has sort of forgot. And I do think there is this sort of weird 
reappraisal of it because it just turned 20. So a lot of people have been writing articles about it turning 20. And some of them are trying to do the like, we were unfair to Metallica and this record is pretty good. And it's like, no, no. it's really well, not. And it sounds like shit. And I saw one article in particular that was like, oh, people always talk about Lars's snare tone on this record. And, um, you know, that's just how drums sounded in the in that era. No. No, Mm-mm. no, they fucking didn't. I, I'm a drummer. I've been listening to drums forever. Like, no drummer just took the snares off their drums for an entire album. That no, <laughs> no one's done that before. Like, it just it sounds fucking bad. And I don't want to like keep harping on it because it is a it's a very obvious thing to talk about. Of the like, oh yeah, whatever. Pardon me, the the snare sounds bad, haha. But it's just like it really does sound bad, and the whole recording just sounds bad. Like we said, it's it's what happens when rich people try to create something that cut came from poor people. They just can't. They can't. You can't replicate it. You cannot. You can't go to 1994 Bakersfield, California, Ross Robinson having never produced an album before and come up with that when you're spending millions of dollars. It's just not possible. You can't recreate that type of of thing. And so, yeah, you're right. Like it just we could sit here. I could talk about how bad the production is all day. Every production choice on this sucks. James vocals sound terrible. The, it sounds pieced together. The drums sound bad. You can barely hear the bass in the mix. Um, it's just, or it's just really, it's just really bad. It's shit. It's really shitty. I mean, this is probably going to be my lowest score. And, and we've listened to some real crap. You know yeah. what I mean? Like we've listened to some really bad shit. But this album just, I hated it. I hated the experience of listening to it. I just, I, I will never in my whole life listen to anything from this album again. Not even ironically. To be funny, like I'm not gonna listen to the yeah. song that I said to it's listen to. It's not so bad. It's good. It's not so yeah. bad. It's good. It's so and bad. People, it's bad. People feel the need to reclaim things. It's a, you know, it's sort of a clout chasing move to reclaim something that everybody hates. Like people are like, oh yeah, okay, you think this is bad? Actually, I think it's good. And some stuff I'm like that too. But I do admit it's like almost a, a way to grab attention in a weird way too i do want to bring up some of the funny stuff from the articles yeah here. definitely we're at the articles uh this is the that's the time of the show so yeah we as i said we have the uh the 20 year retrospective from louder sound which looks like they pulled a bunch of quotes from around the time of saint anger we also have a rolling stone q a with lars ulrich from uh, 2004 september 2004 uh and then we've got a couple blabbermouth ones and uh we've got the playboy interview and a new york times review by chuck klosterman that has some quotes in it so yeah brian where are you starting here <laughs> one of the blabbermouth <clears throat> articles is maybe my favorite okay. other than the great elsewhere that i read <laughs> earlier yeah uh on this so he he this is a quote about the summer sanitarium tour oh i love this one so yeah this is from uh this is blabbermouth was consolidating a metal edge article this is from april 7th 2003 metallica's hetfield new album contains two years of condensed emotion uh, okay go ahead we wanted to get a lot of people into stadiums, and we couldn't do that on our own. Limp Biscuit and Lincoln Park are two other headlining acts that help us do that. There really isn't any other thought process that went into it. I wasn't like, we have to span 
we have to span the horizon of heavy music or we have to prove these new young kids how it's done. It's not like that. They're good at that. And that's a style of heavy music. That's that's intense. Gets people moving. Linkin Park do it their own way. Here it goes. I don't have to be a fan of every band on the bill. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to guess James didn't like any of the four bands that were on that bill. Uh, yeah, because there was a piece of an article where he shit. One of them talked shit about Limp Biscuit. Talked yeah, shit Lars. about Fred Durst, yeah. and that's just him being mad about the Napster shit too. Yeah, with totally. Limp Biscuit, because Limp, Limp Biscuit did a Napster tour, and yeah, yeah, uh, which made Limp Biscuit cooler than Metallica. Definitely. Um, he goes, uh, "I'm interested in people showing up and enjoying music, whoever they are." And and there was friction between them and Corn too. Yeah, when when they that we read about corn talking yeah shit maybe and, i can't remember but yeah uh i don't have to be a fan of every every band on the tour uh i'm interested in people showing up and enjoying music whoever they are i'm into bands showing up on this bill who want to play live there are bands who are kind of ho-hum i don't want a metallica don't get it we don't understand their mentality we were begging to get on tour we we were when we were begging to play any damn bill there was. We didn't care if it was Nazareth or Blondie. We don't care. We're going to go up and do what we do best. Summer Sanitarium is an entity that we can use every summer to go out, and whoever's there at the time and wants to play and can deliver the goods live, that's who's on the bill. So basically, James Hetfield saying he doesn't like any of the bands. I also <laughs> love the idea of the like we and we want bands that want to play live. It's like what band in that era is turning down football stadiums with Metallica? Ah, uh, you know, there's lots of bands out there that are just like I don't know, man. You know, whatever. It's like okay, come on. There's probably a few that were already kind of doing. I was gonna say Deftones would have turned something down like that, but they actually did it. Yeah, they so, did it. So yeah. Yeah, I don't know how many bands would have turned it down. I don't think uh, you could. And here's yeah. where, um, here's, uh, well, do you have anything from that one? Yeah, that, uh, I just, I, I do like the start one too because it it really does again kind of just speak to what I was saying earlier that I think they just didn't really understand what they were doing. This is just on the upcoming album, St. Anger. There's a lot of passion in this. There's two years of condensed emotion in this. We've gone through a lot of personal changes, struggles, epiphanies. It's deep. It's so deep lyrically and musically. It's so hard to talk about. You really need to hear it. There are parts that sound like us around kill them all. There are parts that sound like injustice for all. There are parts that are us now, like we're turning the roots uh, with our experiences. And it's like, again, it's not deep lyrically. I would argue this is like their most surface level. It's like, yeah, shoot me again. I'm a monster. Like, it just, ugh, yeah, it, it just sucks that that's where they were at with, with this record at the time. And it also doesn't sound like any other Metallica record. So it's very funny that he's like, oh, no, it's, it's like, uh, it's like kill them all. You guys like that, right? It sounds like that. Yeah, I mean that was they kept saying like, and you know the to be fair, Metallica probably just too stupid to say it, but every one of their albums sounds different. It's it's For not sure. like this was like a change of anything. Everything they made, every album they made was a different album. I've listened to all of them. Kill 'Em All is not the same as Ride the Lightning. Ride the Lightning is not the same as Master of Puppets. You know what I mean? Like you can go through it. They, totally. They, re, they sort of. I hate it when people say reinvent themselves uh, every once in a while, but you know, um, I think like the next thing I had was uh, um, 
one of the other blabbermouth albums maybe but uh according to hetfield the band have begun the mixing process for the new oh, album. yeah yeah this and is from the new album is the best it can be march 12th 2003 and this is from metallica's official website but blabbermouth set, pulled it sorry it says, and they have set aside another three and a half weeks to complete the effort before it's mastered and shipped off to the record company uh first of all maybe needed like more weeks to <laughs> <laughs> three and a yes. half not enough like i guess i don't know how don't, much yeah. a normal album takes, wasn't enough wasn't enough bob is afraid to mix the songs because he doesn't want to mess with the vibe or he doesn't want to tweak too much it's just levels you know we can certainly polish a turd yeah no shit we can shine it so it loses maybe its they should have they should have tried to polish these turds a little more this turd I think. needed a polishing here we can shine it so it loses the character and flaws and all of its hair and all of its things that make it it and uh, to let the song speak for themselves and not mess with their raw vibe that's corn they're corn pilled totally it's just again it's so bad it's it sucks so bad that that was like their thought going in was uh, it's like when sometimes a band will release like the demo version of the song because they record the full version and then they're like oh i think actually the demo sounds better uh one example of that i can think of is the national on uh, high violet they released the a song called the the opening song on the record is called terrible love and they released the demo version like the demo version is is the version that's on the record and it just sounds bad it just doesn't the song does not sound better in a demo version especially when the rest of the record sounds completely normal um and yeah it just you're right it just we don't want to mess with the vibe man the vibe of this album they were so concerned with the vibe of this album and again like we said they're trying to create this raw vibe while having a therapist or a psychoanalyst there and in a studio they built themselves and they can only record for four hours a day and 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 like it just yeah it's insane yeah well i'm gonna go to the playboy article now where i have a nice. lot of stuff and yeah this and one is from 2009 uh the uh it's a extended interview with lars ulrich and and james uh some of your fans and, Ker- and kirk hammett sorry yeah some of your fans took napster's side instead of metallica's uh, Hetfield grins because they're lazy bastards and they want everything for free. I think Napster won the press war. It hurt the fans' perception of us. They see Metallica as some big bad guys who wanted to take their free stuff away. I like playing music because it's a good living and I get satisfaction from it, but I can't feed my family with satisfaction. I don't think he gets satisfaction. but he get, He'll never not be able to feed his family. The yeah, next thing... Exactly. What sort of things did fans say to your face? Hetfield. Some fans said, "Leave Napster alone, dude," and they were if they were suicidal. But that was after Metallica rocks, dude. So you would turn your thanks into a fuck you. I've gotten into plenty of arguments with fans that just wanted to discuss it. This poor girl in Atlanta. I made her cry. She felt money was evil. Why don't you live in Canada or some <laughs> socialist country? Which yeah, definitely in Canada. Least- we think money's evil up here. We're, we we hate it. Which only leads me to believe that he thinks Canadians get free Metallica albums or something like that. It just was a very odd socialism knock. Um, He goes, uh, what would it take to drop your suit against Napster? Ulrich, they've been inquisitive about trying to settle. The only thing we're after was getting our lawyer fees paid, and we believe that they have the ability to block access to whatever bands it blocked. Hammett. 
Criticism is something we've always dealt with since day one. When Kill 'Em All came out, there was nothing like it. When the second came out, we had slow songs, for God's sake. Even our fans fucking criticize us. We have bulletproof vests on when it comes to criticism. Tell the truth. We feed off of it. Hetfield, Metallica loves to be hated. Hammett, love to be hated, absolutely. Even before we were in the band, we were outsiders. So that mentality sits really fine with us. That is a thing... Yeah, that Lars, is, Lars, the big time outsider with the rich dad, only child, like in literally in the same article, he goes on to talk about like how he's a rich kid. I know. I know. We're all, you know, it's hard to actually be an outsider. Uh, they start talking about Lars not showering. Yeah, that, I liked that one. Uh, James, what did you think of Lars after that first jam session? Lars had a pretty crappy drum kit with one cymbal. It kept falling over and we'd have to stop and he'd pick the fucking thing up. He really was not a good drummer. To this day, he is not the drummer of the year. We all know that. When we were done jamming, it was, what the fuck was that? We stiffed him on the bill for the studio, too. There were so many different things about him. His mannerisms, his look, his accent, his attitude, his smell. He smelled... Well, he smelled like Denmark, I guess. They have a different view on bathing. We use soap in America. Then Lars says, American kids, there was this sort of compulsive thing about four showers a day. Playboy, well, did you wash? Lars, often enough for me, okay? We ate, this is James, we ate McDonald's, he ate herring. He was from a different world. His father was famous. He was very well off, a rich only child, spoiled. That's why he's got his mouth. He knows what he wants, he goes for it, and he's gotten it his whole life. (laughs) Just like, holy shit. Like, they just have always hated each other, I think. It's like a very funny band dynamic. Uh, So, uh, we got here. Uh, so they start talking about him washing. He goes, well, did you wash? Often enough for me, okay, Ulrich. Hetfield, you just read that, didn't you? I did just read that. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, uh, that's okay. Tell us about your first year with them to Newstead. Hazing. And a lot of Oh, this is tests. so brutal. We were mourning through anger. You're here instead of Cliff, so here's what you get. It was therapy for us. One time it's four in the morning. They're hammered and knocking on my hotel room door, which, by the way... Maybe it's because I was broke at the time. I never felt pressure to bash up a hotel room. And nobody knows when you've bashed up a hotel room except for the people that run the hotel room and have to clean it up. You know what I mean? Like, it's that, that's so not a fucking cool thing to me. Oh, we, we, we uh, broke everything in the green room. Great. So the people that come tomorrow don't have anything. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, asshole. Uh, he goes, uh, Newstead, one time. So they, they break the window. They said, get up, fucker. It's time to drink, pussy. You know, you're a Metallica now. You better open that fucking door. They kept pounding. Kaboom. The door frame shreds and the door comes flying open. And they go, you should have answered the door, bitch. They grab the mattress and flip it over with me on it. They put the chairs, the desk, and the on the TV stand, everything in the room on top of the mattress. They threw my clothes, my cassette tapes, my shoes out the window, shaving cream all over the mirrors, toothpaste everywhere, just devastation. They go running out the door. Welcome to the band, dude. Uh, I just, I find that. I find, oh, I, I find the hazing stuff so shitty. Like, what a horrible way to to go about life you know 
it's so weird and then it's just like it gets worse like jason as time went on did the band stop hazing you they actually got tougher as time went on the second and third years were the most brutal instead Mm -hmm. of frat pranks there were things that cut deep and were based on disrespect what did they do that was disrespectful turning the bass down on injustice for all not listening to my ideas musically (laughs) playboy is jason even on injustice for all james his picture is on it big laugh Someone sent me a joke CD with a sticker on the outside that says, and justice for all now with bass Lars. It's the only record of ours that I'm not entirely comfortable with. It became about ability and almost athletics rather than music playboy bands are usually like families. And it sounds like this family fights a whole lot. James Lars's name keeps getting brought up. Doesn't it laughs? He's usually the instigator with his mouth. He can be a real ass at times and pull attitudes. I punched him on stage once, probably our third gig ever. We agreed we were going to play let it loose for our encore. And he went up there and started a different song killing time because it started with drums. I turned back. You motherfucker. I couldn't remember the lyrics. It was a complete failure. Lars, I started the song I wanted to play. I don't remember why. Maybe I felt it was a more suitable encore. And then he punched me. Um, And then they were talking about, uh, yeah, just how they fought a lot. And it just is like, it just seems miserable. And I totally get like from Jason's perspective, he's like, fuck, I'm in the biggest metal band in the world. I'm going to hang on to this ride as long as possible. And they're like, yeah, this ride is going to suck and you're going to hate it the whole time. Yeah. Um, Here's one. Uh, for the first time in years, there are a lot of metal bands on top of the charts. Most of them are pretty bad, aren't they? Hammett. There's a lot of fucking crap. A lot of regurgitated stuff, too. That Papa Roach song, Last Resort, the main riff is from a fucking Iron Maiden song called Hallowed Be Thy Name. <laughs> Hetfield. Limp Biscuits seem a little cartoony to me because they owned you, motherfucker. That The, the Napster tour w- was a huge own. That's why they seem cartoony to you. Uh, I don't like some guy just yelling like Rage Against the Machine. It wasn't singing. It was just some guy kind of pissed off telling you his opinion. Well, little did he know St. Anger was going to come out, and it's going to be exactly that. Um, Hammett, to me, Limp Bizkit sound like a second-rate corn. Corn has a much better vocalist who is somewhat intelligent. Whoa. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I don't... Imagine somebody meeting Jonathan Davis and saying, this guy's intelligent, I think. This is a <laughs> fucking real intellectual Super guy. smart dude, yeah. A lot of these bands get the right ingredients and right formula, and voila, they have a metal band. A band like Godsmack is just a cross between Metallica and Alice in Chains with a little bit of corn thrown in. Hetfield, Queens of the Stone Age is unique. This band, Rocket from the Crypt, makes me feel good. Uh, <laughs> okay, guys. <laughs> They're just shit-talking... Everybody but Corn, and then saying Jonathan Davis is intelligent is a wild fucking thing to say. Uh, here, here's here's Playboy talking to Lars Ulrich. You're this was so confusing to me, John. Maybe you can get it better. Your wife Skyler used to date Matt Damon, and he made her he made her the model for the female lead in Goodwill Hunting. A few years ago, Matt described you as a fucking rock star who's got an $80 million in his own jet. A bad rock star, too. All right. He said that before we met, and he's apologized about 100 times. The first five times I saw him, he would spend 10 minutes apologizing profusely. He really is a sweetheart. And now I'm mad at Matt Damon for apologizing to Lars of all people. Fucking Lars Ulrich. And here's my last one. And this is this is one of 
the best quotes of all time, I think. I really is maybe my favorite quote from anything we've even done. And you're not probably going to agree with me. And people are going to be like, oh, this isn't as funny as I thought. This was so incredibly funny to me. It made me so happy. Playboy, you're an art collector, which is an unusual hobby for a metal drummer. What schools do you collect? Now, this is Lars. Fucking Lars Ulrich. Abstract expressionism, the Cobra movement, art brute. I own a lot of Basquiat, a lot of Dubuffa, Dubuffet. <laughs> Dubuffet. Yeah. And a lot of de Kooning. I have the best collection of Asger Jorn on the planet. I have what is universally considered as one of the greatest Basquiat paintings. I spent a year and a half chasing it down. Hanging out backstage with Kid Rock is an amazing turn on. No less, no less so than sitting and staring at my Dubuffet. For an hour with a fucking gin and tonic. <laughs> That's the worst quote I've ever heard. Just him being smart irritated the piss out of me. I know me looking dumb. at the Du Buffet painting is the same as hanging out with Kid Rock. That's I get the one. same. Yeah. Uh, last one from me from the Playboy. Any chance Metallica will follow the rap metal direction? Jason, no. No rap in Metallica. Lars, the chances of James Hetfield going in a rap direction are probably between zero and minus one. Yes. Yes. I mean, James seems racist to me. Oh, and, hom- like and homophobic. And homophobic. They, fully, they fully bring it up. Uh, that that was also one of the insane parts of this too, where Lars is just basically like, "Yeah, I know he's homophobic. It's not a, yeah, it's it like it's not even a, it's not even a question. I I guess like oh nine, I guess is sort of different, but yeah, well, it yeah, says Playboy is- says we've heard James use the f slur jokingly. Does that mean he's homophobic, Kirk? Uh, probably. James hasn't had a lot of experiences with gay people, and that's a large reason for being homophobic. He needs to be enlightened in that area. Lars, I know he's homophobic. Let there be no question about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there you go. No question. <laughs> All right. Great. Got it. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Well, yeah, and he what also has, he has a stupid line where Playboy says, James strikes us as kind of an enlightened redneck. Oh, Kurt, yeah. I'll agree with that 100%. He lives a certain lifestyle that's easy to poke fun at. He lives out in the country, drinks a lot of beer, has a bunch of guns, goes hunting. James, I eat vegetables too, man. They're just too easy to kill. Carrots don't get a chance to run. I think animals are there for us. We're on top of the food chain. Yeah, man. For sure. And this has obviously got to be from way before 2009 because I think it was just captured in 2009 because Newstead is in the interview for a bunch of it and it's referenced the Playboy interview is referenced in the Some Kind of Monster uh, review from Chuck Klosterman in 04. So it, it must be from 2001 or something. It's just hard to tell sometimes with the Wayback Machine. But um, yeah. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Just so, well, just so people article. know. But uh, yeah, that's that's all my articles. I it was 01. It was 01 uh, that the interview was uh, was from 2001. Metallica Playboy interview. It was the. It was apparently the last interview with Jason Newstead. Um, so yeah, it was written by Rob Tannenbaum in uh, in 2001. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well. So there will, you go. Uh, all right. There you, go. there you have it. Very and fun. Uh, there's just the last one from me. Uh, this is from Lars from Rolling Stone Q&A, because uh, Brian, I know, loves talking about pranks. This one is fucking insane. First of all, question. This is from uh, 2004, by the way, September 2nd, 2004 by Austin Skaggs. What's your favorite drummer joke? What has three legs and a cunt on top of it? Um, a drum stool. 
Oh, that's so funny. So that's Lars's uh, favorite drummer joke. And then best prank you ever pulled. I love the cult, but when we had them with us for the whole summer of 1989, one unnamed band member had a girlfriend who brought around goldfish in little bowls. One day, the bus driver forgot to turn on the AC, so the fish basically boiled, and the girl fucking lost it. So for the show in Portland, we bought out the local pet store and for two minutes, rained goldfish on their set. The unnamed member and his horrified girlfriend were trying to pick up the flopping fish. Their drummer, Matt Sorum, started eating them. I believe Matt Sorum <laughs> ended up in Velvet Revolver, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 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 but yeah, yeah. Uh, but that is insane. Like 1989, we went and bought all these goldfish and threw them at the guy on stage to make a joke. Yeah, we killed a bunch of fish. Cool. We killed a bunch of fish. Shout out. Wow. Well, they uh, love killing. Uh, what's God. his name? Loves to kill. Kill them all, including goldfish. Uh, all right, sure. we are here at the tweet review. Uh, this or tweet defense, rather. This is our review. If you've never listened to the show before, uh, what we do is if someone were to tweet at you that Saint Anger was a bad album, uh, how many tweets would you do in defense of the album? And Brian, you said this might be your lowest score ever. So let's hear it. One half. Wow. Uh, I just one half. I, I just I don't. I hate this. This is the worst album. For sure, that we've covered like by a fucking long shot. This is it just doesn't help that it's so long too. That yeah, it's just like it's bad and long, which is a really not a great situation. <sighs> yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, for me, um, I guess it's I'll, I'll say one uh, because uh, for me, it's I think frantic is like okay, and I think Saint Anger is actually okay. I've kind of come around on that one a little bit as time has gone on, but uh, I also think this album begat some kind of monster, which is one of the gre- the greatest documentaries of all time. Yeah, so there, that it. has to be a that has to be a bit of a positive in there. So I'll say one. I'll be like, well, look, Saint Anger sucks, but we got some kind of monster, so we can't be too mad at it. Uh, but yeah, so obviously, Frig, one of the worst uh, albums we've ever covered. So there you go. If you want to listen to us covering more albums, you can head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash the POD cast. That's cast with a K like the band Corn. And uh, yeah, $4 a month gets you access to three bonus episodes every single month. We do one full length bonus and two shorter singles where we cover a single song. And uh, yeah, we also have a, a discord merch discounts. You can check out our merch at the podcast.cool. And this month we're launching a brand new Patreon tier. So for $7 a month, you get all of the stuff at the $4 tier. Plus you get video of us recording these bonus episodes with our guest. You also get access to the exclusive poll. Uh, once a year, we're going to allow only our $7 donors vote in the poll so you'll have the most weight you've ever had in a single pod cast poll before you also get increased merch discounts lots of other fun stuff so you can check that out on our patreon we just launched that so yeah last month uh, by the way we covered uh, anger means uh, the album by strife cran from the new metal agenda joined us for that so you can check that one out along with our entire back catalog which is over 100 episodes at this point uh, so yeah support the show you can also tell us what to do for a bonus episode so there's tons of great stuff over there patreon.com slash the pod cast okay brian it is time for the challenge every month we give ourselves a challenge based on uh the album based on something going on in the album brian i can say last month you beat me you're on a you tend to do this you go on big winning streaks in the poll uh, or sorry in the challenge you've now won four months in a row and you've won uh, five of the last six 
Uh, but the, the challenge was to create a super group using famous siblings. And uh, Brian, you took that one down 60 to 40. So you now have 23 wins. I have 21 and we have two ties. And so the Metallica challenge is we talked about the uh, the writing style of some kind of monster where it's this is the thing that does the thing. This is the thing that does the thing. Some kind of monster. We are going to rewrite that song to be about some kind of blank. And so you're going to give us some lyrics and then it's going to be some kind of blank. Uh, so, Brian, you want to go first? Um, OK, yes. I'm very sorry to everybody for this one. I've been trying <laughs> to think of it for a very long time. I came up blank, but I think I got something here. Okay. okay. Yeah. These are the ears. It's turned up loud. This is the finger that touches the soundboard. Some kind of podcaster. <laughs> I like so you, only, you can only come up with two lyrics. lines. You can yeah, only come you up with really two lines. Do anything. This is the mic that I talk in. This is my soundboard. It's real cool. This is. My <laughs> I'm bad at the lyric. Any lyric challenge, I'm going to be. Well, I had to, I had to get a win. I had to get a win, so that's why well, I had to throw the I, lyric. I challenge totally in. get it. it. It's it's very funny that like. I can do any challenge that isn't making lyrics. And I know that. And it's funny because teenage me thought I was very good at writing lyrics. And maybe I was okay. I was like a poetic little lyricy guy, but uh, I, I'm not weird Al. So that's the problem. And every song that I make up in my mind is about sucking and fucking. So <laughs> if I'm singing a song that I'm yeah. making up, it's a song I heard earlier in the day and singing, uh, we're sucking and fucking. I should have just, these are the hand, but people accuse me of being a sex guy now because of that's true. Chris James. Yeah, that's fair. It's the rudest thing anybody's ever done to me. <laughs> All right, here's mine. This is the mic stand with a naked girl. This is the red cap the critics hate. This is the dick that I love to pick. This is the Bernie that I love to hate. This is the show I love to do drunk. This is the stupid name I created for myself. This is the band that hates my guts. This is the major I've gotten three times. Some <laughs> kind of new metal singer. Oh, that's a win, baby. That was incredible. <laughs> that was good shit. That's eight different it. singers, by the way. Uh, so, yeah, yeah that's that a fun great. little game you guys can play at home as to which singers I'm talking about in each of those lyrics. But uh, that was so good. Thank you. I'm glad my original instinct was to also do some kind of podcaster. So I'm glad that I veered away from that so that we both well, didn't do that. <laughs> mine was going to be about Legos, but I couldn't <clears throat> figure out how to talk about building my city oh. without. You know what I mean? Because you could have talked about like aspects of the city. Like I this know. is the man that does. That's the true. But anyway, that's right. I have a whole city downstairs. I could have made up a. I got to move my Legos next. It's all month. good. I'm due for a win. I got to. I got to get a win here. You know. We need you uh, to get one. You'll be able to vote on who did win that challenge over on our Twitter. It's twitter.com/slash the pod underscore cast again. Cast with a K. Like the band Corn, you can also vote in the poll on our Twitter. So again, if this is the first time you're listening to the show, every month Brian and I will nominate two albums each for the poll, and then you, the listeners, get to vote and decide on which album we listen to next month. And the poll is only posted on our Twitter, so make sure you're following us over there. The POD underscore cast. Brian, which two albums are you throwing up in the poll? So a lot of people really were were sort of let down they had wanted us to do uh 
the horror, so I'm going to put horror up. No, we're doing that for a bonus album, Brian. Oh, we got it? It happened? Yeah, it's happening for a bonus album now, oh, so, you, okay. so you don't have to put it in oh. the pool. Oh, good. Spine Shank, Strictly Diesel. Let's give them another shot, especially since they've been nominated okay. for a Grammy, and we'll go with the original Soulfly. Okay, nice. So I'm also going with a couple albums that have been in the poll before, so someone is going to, uh, someone is going to get... Uh, what they've wanted here. Uh, this is almost like uh, my gift to you poll, but I'm going to, we haven't talked about the namesake band of this podcast in almost three, oh, in over three years. Suck. Well, okay. But people like when we talk about bands that suck. So I'm once again, <laughs> yeah. going to put up POD, the fundamental elements of Southtown, and uh, another band that I know people have wanted us to talk about, but hasn't seemed to been able to win a poll. I'm going to put up Snot, Get Some. Uh, so those are going to be, those are the four. Spine Shank, Soulfly, P.O.D., Snot. Again, you can vote on our Twitter, twitter.com slash the P.O.D. underscore cast, cast with a K. You can also donate to the show if you like the show, help support us, and get some more bonus content for your trouble. That's over at patreon.com slash the P.O.D. cast. Merch is at the P.O.D. cast dot cool. Thank you for listening. We love you and we appreciate you. We'll see you back here next month. Goodbye.